everyone, and welcome back to the Faculty of Horror, podcasting from the Horrid Halls of Academia. I'm Alex West with Andrea Subasati, and it is a new year. It is a new decade. It's it's all happening, guys.、Yeah. It's all kind of happening. But、uh, before we move on into the next year and the next decade, we wanted to celebrate. 2019. We wanted to celebrate the last decade, and it's it's kind of crazy when you start to think about what has happened in 10 years. Like 10 years ago, Andrea, we didn't know each other. Wow. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's close because the podcast just turned seven. Seven. So we're on year eight. It's、yeah. almost a decade. But yeah. Right, but we met、shy. in like 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Big decade. Yeah. Big decade. This is like the decade we、uh, we both got into horror and have kind of found our own paths and found a path together、We're、and found、okay. a path with you guys, our listeners,、uh-huh. and it's been really really fucking cool. So you know, the last little while going over、um, my favorites of 2019 and my favorites of the decade was kind of like this weird, awesome kind of. Come to man on moment. Yeah, yeah. I'll say it's been、uh, it's been a crazy ten years for us. It's been a crazy ten years for horror. So we are going to do as is custom, and since we've been doing this for seven years, we have traditions to、mm-hmm. hold sacred. We are going to talk about our favorites of the year. We're going to talk about our favorites of the decade, and if you are a patron of ours,、uh, another thing that we did. In 2019, was we launched our Patreon, which is going great. So, th- huge thanks to everybody who is、uh, who's joined up with that, and I hope you're enjoying the additional content. We are going to be releasing、uh, a kind of decade in review with regard to horror happenings and news. So maybe we'll post a teaser of that, maybe not. But、uh, if you were thinking of joining up, now is a good time because I think that's going to be a good episode. Yeah, lots of great content coming on our main feed, and some really fun content coming over on Patreon. So, yeah, make sure you're following, make sure you're liking. We already have some giveaways in the works、mm-hmm. for the new year. So, if you like getting free stuff, if you like going to free events, perhaps in Toronto, make sure you are following us on our social media.、Uh, so that is the Faculty of Horror Facebook and the Faculty of Horror Twitter. Yeah, yeah, maybe this is the year we get a Faculty of Horror TikTok. Oh shit! That's where all the kids are. That's what I hear. That side is wild. It's wild. Yeah, I, I tried it for five minutes and then had to delete the app because it was <laughs> too much. It was just too much. I didn't know what、I、to do. I was really into it. I was like, because they have a lot of like kind of viral challenges, like so it's kind of easy to get in on it because you just do your take on stuff. But there's a there's a literacy that goes with that app that is actually pretty.、Um, Pretty exhaustive. Like you have to do some kind of fancy camera、uh, footwork, and the app is not intuitive. And I tried. <laughs> I've never felt so old. <laughs> well, before we start feeling too old,、uh, let's go back to when we were feeling young, which was、uh, a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so our best of 2019,、uh, we each make these lists separately, yes,、uh, because we have different tastes. We have different things we love.、Mm-hmm. Some things we overlap on.、Mm-hmm. I'm, I haven't seen Andrea's list. I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.、Uh, and of course,、um, you know, we do these to celebrate the films we love. This is not to yuck anyone's yum.、Um, we are just celebrating the things we love. So、uh, please, you know, as we post these episodes, write us, tell us what your favorites are, and.、Um, Yeah, let's let's get to it. So I don't have these in a particular order, but I do have a favorite. Okay, I do have a favorite of this year. Okay, this last year.、Uh, I put mine in order. Ah,、uh, 
Yeah, but actually looking at it, I th- a lot of them are interchangeable, except for maybe like one, two, and three. So, yeah. So should we should we go backwards? Do you want to do you want to save your number one for? Sure, yeah. sure. Let's save let's save our number ones. Um, so I'm going to start with one that I was almost a little reticent to put on this list just because. I could see some people saying, it's not horror. But you know what? If someone can put fucking Parasite on their best of 2019 horror, I can put this I on my best of 2019 horror. Get me started on Parasite. What is it? Uh, Chernobyl. The wow! HBO miniseries that during an incredibly hot summer in Toronto made me feel cold in my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, obviously a miniseries, it was done by HBO, uh, that deals with the Chernobyl nuclear plant meltdown mm-hmm. and the subsequent cover-ups that was going on in Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I believe, six episodes. Uh, each episode is is incredible. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some are, are a bit more, um, you know, talky and like the kind of uh, government political law stuff that's going on. So interesting. So fucking interesting. And some of it is pure terror. Like, I cannot stop thinking about the bio robots oh, that were yeah. that were employed at one point. And if you haven't seen it, I won't go into too much, but um, I strongly recommend it. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's not the easiest watch, but it's incredibly well made. Um, and and one of the things I kind of enjoyed as I uh, enjoyed and consumed the series was the showrunner, producer, uh, and the writer of it as uh, a guy named Craig Mazin. And uh, he was known for doing some pretty bad Hollywood films. Like, I'm talking Scary Movie 3, Scary Movie 4. Mm-hmm. I think one of those, like, Snow White and the Huntsman. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, like, Hollywood schlock. Yeah. And then he, like, went away and uh, apparently was always super interested in this Phenomenon and created this incredibly beautiful, terrifying, well-made uh, piece of work, and I think it's going to stand the test of time and has kind of created a high bar for what we expect in terms of uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I recommend I agree. that one. I had that uh, in my honorable mentions because I wasn't sure if I should include TV in my year in review, but it was definitely a highlight mm-hmm. of stuff that I checked out this past year. Episode two is. Balls to the wall horror. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a hill that I will die on that scared the living (laughs) shit out of me. The way it's shot, the way the music is, it's absolutely terrifying. And it actually made me kind of like, how is radiation not featuring more prominently in horror? I mean, it kind of was at the time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's the hills have eyes and stuff like that. Uh, But also, there's... I understand that the showrunner was making a podcast yeah, yeah, while the show was airing. Yeah. So he was doing a podcast with another uh, – with a film writer, like a journalist. Uh, and you can you can find it on, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts. And he basically talks you through um, his research process, some of what they uh, really pulled from, where they were researching. And then some of the stuff they kind of – not made up, but they elucidated on. They, they you know, shortened. Changed around a bit. Yeah. yeah. They, they shortened. They condensed. They did different things for the sake of storytelling. Yeah. Um, none of it is like th- it becomes wildly inaccurate, but you can kind of see where they made some concessions for the sake of uh, telling this story in this format. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting. If you enjoy the show and if you haven't checked it out, check that out. You listen to it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I listen to the whole thing. And uh, I, I will say it was interesting. I was talking to a very good friend of mine, and she um, – Came to Canada when she was about four or five, but she was born in Austria in 1985, mm-hmm. and she cannot give blood in Canada because of Chernobyl. Wow. Yep. 
It lingers that shit. Really does. I didn't listen to the podcast, but I've already decided. Like, when I was watching the show, I was just too ravenous. Like yeah. I could not wait to dive into the next episode. So I will stage a rewatch probably next year and yeah. listen to the podcast because I think it's really interesting when people make um, movies based on true events. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it becomes a, a point of contention against the show where people were like, "Oh, well, this was invented and this isn't accurate," and like you know, it's a silly thing to leverage against something like entertainment. But I think it would be really interesting to hear his decisions and his narrative decisions and yeah. why he made them to make things more cinematic because that show was cinematic oh, as fuck. fuck. Cool. Good one. Well, I'm looking at my list here. Let's talk about Dr. Sleep. Oh, let's. Dr. Sleep list. made it into my list you know, I'm not going to say by a hair, but um, it's it's definitely one that I didn't expect to like mm-hmm. as much as I did. It had um, – I, I wasn't crazy about the book. Yeah. Did you read it? Uh, I've not read it because basically everyone I knew who read it said it was really bad. Yeah. And I just was like, why should I take that on? I mean, for something like – for fans of The Shining, mm-hmm. it takes that – psychicness in directions that don't really interest me the way a terribly haunted, isolated hotel would. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the themes of alcoholism that were so uh, terrifying and troubling in The Shining kind of become this heartwarming, uh, turn-your-life-around thing, which Stephen King is doing a lot in his fiction lately, and I'm just not into it. But I felt like for Mike Flanagan, who not only married... The book with the movie, he married the book with the book with the movie yeah. to make this movie. And, you know, like, it's a big ask, and I felt like he pulled it off. It wasn't perfect, but I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember talking to you about this, Andrea, where I was like, it's going to be shit. Like, it's going to be so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw the trailers. I wasn't really impressed with that. Um, I'm not a big Flanahead. I like Oculus. That's about it. I've seen his other stuff, and uh-huh. I don't particularly care for it. Yeah. And I know I'm in the minority on that one. And then I saw the runtime. It's like two and a half uh-huh. hours. I was just like, ugh. And then, you know, based on the good reviews, Andrea saw it before I did, because uh, you went on that very nice press trip, I it looked like, um, to go see it and check out some other stuff. And she she was saying she really enjoyed it. So I went um, with her friend Allison, and um, – I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked it. And I would agree. I, I think it's maybe one of those, like, 80% movies. Yeah. It just had so much to overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did think it was really well-paced. It earned that runtime. It, you know, kept me guessing. I thought some of the gore and the terror was really well done. And it was beautiful. There were parts in that film that are so fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. It had so much to do. And mm-hmm. I thought I did it really well. Mm-hmm. The the weakest part for me was, was frankly, Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Um, as Danny, it, it just – he, for me – and I like Ewan McGregor. He always struggles with an American accent. Yes. He has one of those American accents where it sounds like he's from nowhere. <laughs> and it, it actually – it just, like, it pulls me out, like, every t- – like, it just – yeah, yeah. If they could have made Danny Scottish or some like from the UK or something, then maybe it would have been a bit better. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, and Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Rose the Hat. Yes, uh, was fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. Cool. What's next on your list? Um, 
So next up, uh, actually, this we kind of called this. Actually, Andrea, I think you called this in this episode last year. Um, that 2019 was a really great year for horror documentaries. Uh-huh. Uh, so I actually have a few on here. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk about was Scream Queen, mm-hmm. My Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a documentary um, about Mark Patton, who was the actor who played Jesse in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, mm-hmm. um, and how that film... Um, in many ways kind of ruined his career yeah. and how he fled Hollywood and then everything he has been dealing with since. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there was an HIV diagnosis. He had cancer. Uh, he lost friends. He lost people he really cared about. And he just kind of went to Mexico and just got well and, and is doing really great and just was living his life. And then this kind of fandom of Nightmare on Elm Street and horror fandom found him. And mm-hmm. he's been able to start to create a community. And he's been, you know, a huge champion of LGBTQ plus rights mm-hmm. um, and creating space for that. And I, I thought it was a really beautiful important documentary that um, I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, it was a fantastic documentary. I really liked how it took the time to set the stage because Mm -hmm. a a lot of it only makes sense within context. And a lot of what happened to him, you know, was due to certain people, but also uh, external things of the times. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I loved how it was presented. It's presented so positively. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's no there's no victim. Woe is me. There's this is something I overcame and I want to tell my story and I want to kind of uh, set things right. I, me- I watched it with my mom. I was in oh, Ottawa. Really? And so, you know, this elderly woman who is not a huge horror fan definitely didn't see Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And she was still really into it and really enamored with the story and enamored with Mark Patton. And uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I saw it with my partner. And he, I think, watched when we were doing our Nightmare on Elm Street episodes, he watched a few of them all the way through. And I think he was working one night and he came home and watched part of two. And he was he was like, oh, this is kind of weird. And he saw the documentary and he was like, wow, this is a really incredible story. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, it goes to speak to creating spaces within this community for people who aren't normally thought of as wanting to have space that's right. within it. And that's, you know, I think it's it's not only a wonderfully made, wonderfully told documentary, but also an important one. And yeah. I hope kind of, you know, a moment where we, we all pause to say, what are we actually doing in this community? Totally. Who's welcome? How do we accept them? How do we embrace them? Um, what can we do to create more space? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens with uh, with my career in horror journalism, that uh, that queer issue with um, with Screen Queen on the cover is going to be near and dear to my heart. Absolutely, and a highlight of my career, I'm sure. So, thanks to all involved who made that one. Uh, here's one that I know you also loved, Cam. Yeah, Not on your list. Would you put Cam on? Uh... This year's? Ah, fuck. Okay, so there's a couple of titles on my list where I'm like, ah, is this technically I this feel like year it came or out last end year? Of 2018. Ah, shit. I mean, you know, these movies, they do the festival circuit and then sometimes they get a wide release or they, they come out on VOD and then they get a wider release. They're like, it, it, there's a couple of titles on my list where I had to look it up and I was like, oh, does that really... I also had Climax on my list and I was like, fuck, I think that was on my list for last year too. It was, but it got a wide release this year. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe the two of those cancel each other out. Yeah. Loved Cam. Sure, we're going to talk about it more one day. Yes. Uh, loved Climax. I did not like Climax. You didn't? Well, I did not. I mean, it's not really a film to like. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I was watching it again over the holiday break, and uh, I don't know if you can say you're a Gaspar Noé fan. 
But I definitely spent a lot of time with his work, especially when I was doing my first book oh, on New yeah. French Extremity. And he has a couple things where I'm like, uh, like enter the void. I was like, uh, this is a bit meandering. I felt the same about Climax. Mm-hmm. I thought the dance sequences were awesome, mm-hmm. especially that opening one. I go back to that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's on YouTube. Every great. so often I'll be like, I need to go dancing. I will go take LSD. What the fuck? Yeah. The rest of it I just actually couldn't really follow, and then I kind of stopped caring. And okay. um, Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. it's It's been kind of funny to see it pop up on so many, like, people's best of horror of 2019. But, uh-huh. uh, again, that's uh, different strokes, different folks. Uh-huh. Your turn. All right. Uh, I'm going to continue on with this uh, horror documentary. Okay. Challenge. Challenge? No. They were just great documentaries this year. I know what um, you're going to say. Hail Satan. Oh, that's not what I thought you were going to say. I'm not done with my horror documentaries. I, I know, I know. But uh, Hail Satan. Loved it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. So it, it's a documentary about the Satanic Temple, mm-hmm. especially their political involvement, how they came to be, some of their ethos, basically their whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been to the Satanic Temple in Salem, Massachusetts, twice now. Yep. Um, each time a wonderful experience. Alex, who, I, I don't know if he runs it or he's kind of the caretaker or uh, whatever he is. He's, he's always been the caretaker. Oh, he's been there. He's the best. He's the best. He's so fucking nice. Uh-huh. He's so fucking nice. Um, if you haven't been, we would absolutely recommend it. Uh, yeah, if you're if you've been in town for Salem Horror, if you're coming for Salem Horror, please carve out some time uh, to go visit the Satanic Temple. It's it's a really cool place. Wonderful people. Uh-huh. Uh, they will chat to you. They'll give you all the information. You can just hang out. You can you know sit on the statues. You can uh-huh. take photos with them. It's just a really welcoming, very cool, very inclusive environment. That's right. Um, and I and I thought the documentary uh, really carried that spirit uh, with it. Yeah. And and it's you take a chance. You yeah. know when you when you do something like that and you put it out there. It was, yeah. Uh, I loved. I, I think it really merged the the notion of the occult and uh, the political, and you know, just a fucking let's let's challenge this patriarchal Christian normalcy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thought it was great. Loved I thought it. it was great too. And like, I, I have a bit of a. I, I've looked into Satanism uh, before. I did a, a the Halloween issue of Rue Morgue this year was on Satan, mm-hmm. and we had we had a little compare and contrast between uh, the Satanic Temple and. The Satanic yes. Church, and uh, I thought that was really interesting. So I knew that the differences were political, but it's in watching that documentary that you're like, this is about religious pluralism, mm-hmm. and to take a symbol as such a powerful symbol that elicits such powerful reactions from people, very powerful reactions, more so than I realized. Like yeah. the documentary really lays it out. It's super interesting, and it's and it's such a big story. And I think this is where I kind of are. This is why I'm putting several documentaries on this list because I think they nailed the storytelling mm-hmm. in a way that documentaries often struggle with. Um, because especially for Hail Satan, it's such a big story and it delves into the foundational political elements. It delves into several key players. It delves into like the political climate in America. It delves yeah. into very specific situations, but it tells this very cohesive story uh-huh. in a really structurally sound way. And it just, it was a real pleasure to watch. And, and it's one of those, you're watching it, you're enjoying it, and then you're still thinking about it and you're mm-hmm. uh, coming up with stuff. And, and that's, you know, it's a great film. You're right. And in Cruder hands. It could have been oh, a yeah. very sensationalistic, like yeah. focusing on the nudity and the ceremonies, and it was presented really well. I agree. Well, do you have one more documentary? I do have one more documentary. Horror Noir. I haven't seen it. 
What the fuck, Andrea? How many times have I told you? I don't know. I think I'm scared. Well, it's really good. I know it's really it's good. It's really, really good. It's um, probably the best horror slash film documentary I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. I um, it's so it's on Shutter. It was a Shutter produced film, mm-hmm. and it's basically pulling from the book Horror Noir, which we've talked about on this show before, uh, by Robin Armings Coleman. Mm-hmm. It's a very expensive book to get. I hope that there was maybe a reprint of it and to coincide with this uh, film coming out because I know when I bought it, it's probably the most expensive book I have in my collection. Holy shit. It's, it's well worth it. It's, it's an excellent, excellent book, but it was it was not cheap. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, Phil uh, Nobel Jr. and Ashley Blackwell, mm-hmm. a Graveyard Shift sisters, they kind of put together this documentary and it's this incredible, infuriating, hopeful, positive, funny, interesting documentary. Mm -hmm. And I say it's infuriating because it so lays out the inherent racism, the microaggressions, everything that goes along with centralizing black figures within film, Mm -hmm, not only mm -hmm. within horror, but the specificity into horror is really well told. It, it's just a wonderful documentary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so beautifully told. It's, you know, a variety of voices coming to the table and, and just sharing their experiences. And again, it, it's put together, it's edited, it's paced in such a way where it's like not only explaining this kind of cultural climate and dealing with some of the academic implications of it, but also just hearing from someone like Rachel True, mm. hearing from a Tony Todd, a Ken mm-hmm. Forey, talking about what their place was and, and what they faced and what mattered and what they fought against or what they were celebrated for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really fucking interesting. And, um, um, you know, it, it gives a lot of weight to all these different moments in horror. Mm-hmm. And uh, so not only is it a great documentary about the black experience within horror, but also a really great history of the horror movie. Mm-hmm. Very watchable, funny, um, all these amazing things. It's on Shudder. I encourage everyone to watch it. Yeah. It's very, very, very well done. I don't know what the fuck my problem is. I think I have it on a crazy pedestal where I'm like, okay, one night I have to turn off my phone, dim the lights. Cra- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you ever do that with movies? Where Sometimes. Like- and I'm almost always disappointed when I do that. Yeah. But, I mean, for this, it's just so watchable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I have never – I did not know Rachel True was – that funny because oh, I've never, you know, seen a long form interview with her and she yeah. was so fucking funny uh-huh. and smart and just like all of these things I should not be shocked by, but she's not given the spotlight. And I was just like, I, I, I just think you're the coolest. Yeah. Hence, when I met her at Salem Horror Fest this year, I cried. You cried. I cried. Mm-hmm. I, I like tried to curtsy and I started crying out of one eye and she was so nice and so cool. <laughs> I think very quickly went away. We have a photo of that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and all. it's a, it's a, an adorable photo. Yeah. And I'm glad it gave her that platform because I have been seeing her tweets and stuff yeah. and her razor sharp wit. She's hilarious. She's smart. She's critical. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's so watchable. It's so fun. And again, it's one of those that you watch it, you're enjoying it. Um, it's a great time. And then you have these lingering thoughts and feelings and it kind of starts to inform and reshape your own criticism, your own viewpoint. Mm. And, and I think that's what, that's what we talk about. That's why we have faculty of horror because it's a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Mm -hmm. If we were to sit here and recite to you, 
boring text that, you know, we often had to struggle through in, in undergrad and grad school, then this wouldn't be fun. Mm-hmm. If it's a conversational thing, if it's showing you, if it's proving to you how these structures work and why they're problematic or what the successes were and why they were successful and why they mattered, then you're like, oh, shit, I just had a good time watching this. And then it infiltrates your brain in mm-hmm. a really good, important way. Cool. Watch it, Andrea. Okay, okay I will. I will. I will. Next, did you see Knives and Skin? Was that the French one? No. No, then I, I saw another one that was like Knives Plus Skin with Vanessa Parody. Uh, I thought it was the Knives Plus Skin, but it wasn't French. And Vanessa Parody, I know that name from having dated fucking Johnny Depp. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's the same. I don't. So I saw that one, which also got some shout-outs this year in Best of Horror, and uh, I didn't enjoy it. No, well, the one I'm thinking of involves uh, a high school. Okay, yes. So I heard about that one as oh, well, okay. and I did not see it. All right. So I don't think you'd like it. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a bit too musical. Oh, yeah. I don't like musicals. I love how it was taking kind of um, pop songs from the 80s, but it would present this choir of young girls singing it, and it was these high schoolers are going through um are, are processing uh, a disappearance and a murder mm. of you know one of one of their kind and the way they sing these songs like you re-examine these really cheerful 80s lyrics and you hear the patriarchy in them mm. and you hear rape culture in them and like these songs that you've heard on the radio a million times coming out of these girls like almost brings you to tears so the musical numbers were what made it to me and I was like Alex would not like this at all. Uh, but it's interesting. It's kind of in the vein. It's kind of assassination nation okay. It's kind of tragedy cool. girls-y. Um, but it was interesting. Very fresh. Very cool. queer-friendly. Very yeah. fun. And, and the Vanessa Parody one, I think, also kind of falls into, like, a potentially queer-friendly genre. I will say it, it's pulling a lot from giallo films, oh. which I just struggle with. And yeah, so I think it has less to do with, me. like, the actual film itself and me just not always being the biggest giallo fan, All right. if that's fair. Two say. movies coming out with the same names, man. It's hard enough to keep track. It's nice plus something. Nice anyway. plus skin. Plus something. You're Maybe I'm getting it wrong. This one is one of those, I think it had a, fest- it did have a festival yes. release this year, or sorry, in 2019, and now in 2020, it's going to get its actual release, yeah. but I wanted to shout it out, Do it. and that would be The Lodge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was great. It was excellent. I'm, I'm a little bummed that it's coming, I believe it's coming out in February this year, 2020, yes. uh, because it's such a great Christmas film. Right? It's such a perfect, like, it's, I think I tweeted about it, it's like, yeah. As bleak as, like, The Shining is, but, like, centered around Christmas. Around Christmas. Like, directly. Like, Christmas and New Year's are featured in the plot. And I was really stoked to put it on the November-December issue. That's when the release date was supposed Mm -hmm. to be December. And then it got pushed forward. And then I also hosted a screening of it in Toronto. And I remember when it ended. I always have a little bit of anxiety when I program a screening, when I program Cinemacabre, when somebody laughs and I don't expect them to laugh. I'm like, oh, everybody's hating this and I feel like such an idiot. At the end of that film, the – theater was quiet. Yeah. Just quiet. Yeah. And I always get up and motor out to the lobby because Rumorg has a booth out there and I just remember everybody's face like just <laughs> It is like the feel bad movie of the year. Yep. Um, but it's it's by uh, 
uh, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz, who did Goodnight Mommy, uh-huh. and uh, you can kind of, it definitely feels like their next film. Um, it, it carries on a lot of stuff from Goodnight Mommy yep. and um, just has a lot of the same kind of aesthetic to it. Uh-huh. Uh, Riley Keogh, Elvis's granddaughter, uh-huh. uh, is excellent. She is. She's yeah. excellent. She's so good. And I actually thought it was her, but I was like, God, she just looks so young. Yeah, yeah. And I guess she is young. She's just been in the public eye forever. Right. Uh, but she, I, I thought it was so, so fucking good. Yeah. And it's so creepy. And I actually don't want to say that much else about it, except um, when you, our dear listeners, get a get a chance to see it, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's weird. It's creepy. It's it's a fucking ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Good one. Um, another one I had on my list: Coco D. Coco Da. Mm. Did you see that one? I am not. I loved it. Yeah. Written and directed by Johannes Nyholm. I first became aware of this filmmaker because he he made he made another film and a segment of it went viral on YouTube because it's hilarious. What mm-hmm. he did was he put a toddler in kind of a miniature set of a bar and he let this toddler toddler you know <laughs> sip juice out of wine glasses and stuff and they look like they're fucking hammered. Like they look like they're <laughs> wasted drunk because it's a toddler. So like they're spilling stuff and, and the way they're holding the glass all clumsily and, and then there are puppets all around this toddler who are kind of acting like oh, this one's been overserved. It is so 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 funny. So Coco D. Coco Da has a narrative that's kind of it's kind of like um, uh, Happy Death Day, Groundhog Day, in that there is a situation that repeats itself okay. and repeats itself, but it has this really bleak, bleak hopelessness that reminds me of uh, Funny Games. And then interspersed throughout that, this guy obviously has a thing for animation and puppeteering, because mm-hmm. uh, within the film he uses kind of he uses puppets, but he uses their silhouettes, mm. and uh, and so there are these vignettes throughout that are just. Haunting. Okay. I recommend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you mentioned that in one of our Patreon episodes, so it's uh, definitely hope to see that very yeah, soon. It sounds it really fucking cool. Okay, so I have one more film, and then I'm getting, and then I have another film, which I have a hunch is going to be your favorite of the year, okay. and then I have my favorite of okay. the year. So I'm going to do one more. Yeah. And that is, I already am pretty sure it's not on your list. Oh. It's ready or not. Uh-uh. Not on my list. Yeah. I really fucking enjoyed it. I saw it again over the holiday break, Uh and it really just, I think it's such a fun, interesting, cohesive um, film. I I like it a lot better than your next because it has a certain element, a twist to it that just kind of gives it this, like, fun, unexpected edge. It's way more fun, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Way more relatable final girl, I'll say. Samra Weaving is amazing. She's great. And it's it's funny because she is... uh, I'll tell this story uh, for any um, Schitt's Creek fans that we might have. Um, So Schitt's Creek is this Canadian sitcom... um, and I went to university with – I went to the uh, theater school with Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, mm-hmm. on that show. And uh, uh, she's the, the sister, one of the four leads. And um, I remember seeing Annie in the halls when we were doing late note classes, things like that at Concordia University. And I was just like, fuck, she's so beautiful. She's so fucking beautiful. She's mm-hmm. so beautiful. I want to push her into oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, your early 20s, weird, internalized misogyny. 
And she couldn't have been nicer yeah. or cooler yeah. or a harder worker. Um, and, and one of our, you know, we still have some, like, very close mutual friends. Our apartments burned down around the same time. Like, um, and I actually felt very similar to as I was watching um, Samara Weaving in Ready or Not. Yeah. Because you, you see her and she's stunning. Yeah. It's, like, disgusting. Disgusting! Yeah. How beautiful she yeah. is, almost covered in mud, whatever. And and then she's so like feisty and funny yeah. and like strong and like a little fucked up. Mm-hmm. It has kind of breakdowns throughout the film that I was just like, God, I just think you're great. Yeah, I think you're great. Why are you so pretty? Anyway, you know she was in that Ash versus Evil Dead show. I heard that? that, and then I she's in another film that was at. Tiff with Daniel Radcliffe that I think is getting a wider release this year. So she's been popping up game. everywhere. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I, I think she's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Again, beautiful, but can absolutely act. Mm-hmm. Has the chops. Has the presence. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be up she's and up got and up. The screams. I think she's going to. Oh yeah, yeah. Powerhouse and horror. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why that gif of her smoking in like her burnt out wedding dress. Is, yeah, yeah. Kinda, I saw that a lot at the end of 2019. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. So, uh, is my ready or not? Okay. Um, well, I'm assuming you have us mm-hmm. on your list. Is that your number one? I don't know, Aunt. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take. No, no. Why don't we, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll hold that one and talk Okay. About all right. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that one is on my list. We'll come back to it. Uh, I also had Luz. What? Are you okay? <laughs> I don't want to try to pronounce <laughs> that again. Show it to me. L U Z. Lulz. Oh, God, that film is not at all lulls. It was written and directed by Tillman Singer. It's a German film, and uh, it's really dizzying and disorienting. There's kind of temporal rifts. You're in the present. You're in the past. You're in a hallucination. You're in a hypnosis state. Okay. Uh, But there's also, like... I think there's three different languages going on. Oh, And so, cool. like, the subtitles just kind of stack up, and it's it, oh, it cool. adds to the environment. And it's also it, – it's very European, right, where things yeah. aren't – you know, there's many places in Europe where multiple languages are spoken. And what language is being spoken at a given time matters to the narrative. So mm-hmm. it's something you want to keep up with. Oh, cool. uh, I thought it was really unique and exciting and interesting, and I would recommend it. I think there's a feature – uh, in one of the room orgs last year. I don't okay. know. Okay. <laughs> cool. I mean, the only other one I have on my list that we haven't already skirted around is The Lighthouse. Oh, okay. Okay. It's way up on my list. I know it is. I, that was for number one. That was technically my number two. I loved it. it was great. Well, why don't we – what else you got? What else you got? Something the Nightingale. Okay. So I haven't seen The Nightingale mainly because I didn't love The Babadook. Right. And – I've heard about the Nightingale, and I was just like not in a place where I was like, I want to go back and try to get in the Jennifer Kent headspace again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wasn't in a place where I wanted to watch that content. Fair. In, in like the in terms of the story, gotcha. but I've heard mixed things about it. So okay. tell me about the Nightingale. As I point uh, on the line. Well, I loved it. It is. I I don't see a lot of the Babadook's DNA in it. Mm. I don't really think. She's maybe that kind of filmmaker. This is kind of a sprawling epic that tackles um, uh, uh, colonialism mm-hmm. dead on. Uh, there's um, 
There's very, very graphic violence,、mm-hmm. uh, but there's also really it, it was just really well done how it tackled、uh, how people experience trauma, how people experience、uh, oppression. You know, the story follows、um, an Irish convict woman who is on a quest for revenge, and she winds up joining forces with、um, an indigenous man.、Mm. And so the two of them have these different kinds of oppression. There's a hierarchy between them. Oh yeah, and yeah. they're very antagonistic at first, and and in the beginning they're、uh, they're Relationship is very transactional. They're both out for revenge in their own way, but they kind of they come together. They come to understand each other. They come to understand the nature of oppression and that you know, like who is the real enemy here?、Mm-hmm. And this is an enemy they have in common. And even when it gets to that point, like that's maybe halfway through the film. The difficulty they have in coming together to get their revenge,、uh, due to the different dynamics of the different oppressions. It, mm. <laughs> probably not selling it, but、uh, no, it sounds really like it sounds really fucking. I will see it. Yeah, I just wasn't in the headspace to see it. It's it, yeah, that's totally fair because it is every bit as、uh, violent、yeah. as it should be tackling that particular sort of content.、Uh, but the lighthouse, wow, what a dazzler! Yeah, Robert Eggers is not fucking around. Yeah, it is.、Uh, it, it was. It, Just an experience、mm-hmm. watching it. I really enjoyed it.、Um, I I loved it. I loved it, and it's hard for me to describe why I loved it.、Mm. And、um, it I, I, before I saw, it, I really as I'm, I've talked about before in the podcast, I really try to stay away from trailers, reviews, anything like that.、Uh-huh. If it's a film, I know I already know I want to see.、Mm-hmm. So I saw Robert Eggers' Creepy Lighthouse. I was like, fuck it, I'm、yep. fucking sold. But I did see one like headline, I think probably on Twitter or something, where it called the lighthouse Ernest Hemingway's darkest nightmare, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's it's a very strange, beautiful meditation、mm-hmm. on something. Yeah, and I'm okay with with not knowing what that something necessarily is, and I think you can have multiple interpretations of that film. Totally, I think there is an internal logic to that film that somehow grounds it.、Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really fucking、it's、enjoyed it. It's hypnotic. It is mesmerizing, and it's you know it's it's appropriate because you know this lighthouse does have a beacon that has a hypnotic effect on its characters, but the film itself also has this kind of mesmerizing quality to it, where there's these long these long monologues, you know, where Willem Dafoe's face just fills the entire screen, and he is so incredible in it, and the writing is so good.、Um, you know, the accent, the inflection、oh, is、yeah. true to the period, and、uh, so when I interviewed Eggers、um, on the Lighthouse for the magazine. You know, I talked about how I felt like it was it was a very it was a brother to、mm. the witch. You know,、mm. because it tackled masculinity in much the same way that I think、um, the witch tackled femininity.、Mm-hmm. And I think Robert Eggers even said in the interview something about like. Heteronormative toxic masculinity, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> I'm going to write that in my magazine." Thank you for saying these words. He gets it; he knows exactly what he's doing, and、uh, and I agree. I feel like it has mysteries that I have yet to fully unpack. I don't think it's quite as straightforward as the witch,、no. but it has its it has its mysteries. Yeah, and and again, I'm okay with a film having those mysteries if I feel like there is a kind of underlying guiding principle to it.、Mm-hmm. There are some films. I've seen where I feel like I have so many fucking questions about it, and I feel like there is no underlying 
hand guiding it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we're just throwing shit at the screen now. That's mm-hmm. fun. Right. Um, and so that's why I can kind of get behind uh, something like The Lighthouse and another film we're going to talk about in a moment. Um because I feel like there was something bigger and deeper and stranger going on, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with, like, letting this mystery play out over the, I'm sure, many, many rewatches I will have of it over Agreed. the years to come. Yeah. Yeah. And that is much the same way as I feel about our collective number one. Well, no, your number one. It was my top five. But I feel like Us also has some mysteries that I have yet to unpack. I loved Us. Us is my number one movie of 2019. I thought it was fucking brilliant. Um, Jordan Peele is... He's here to stay. He's here to fucking stay. He could have made Get Out and made a bunch of other crappy horror movies, mm-hmm. and I still would be like, he's a fucking genius. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Us was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. And um, uh, again, we want to talk about So Pretty. It actually fucking hurts me is Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, um, oh. yeah. and But so like that performance. It, oh. Yeah. Oh. I know everyone was like, Tony Collette, hereditary. No, 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 no. And I was like, uh, you sit, take, take all the seats and let's just Let's talk more about Lupita Nyong'o. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very pleased to see she's getting some awards recognition and stuff like that uh, over this award season. And I, I thought it was brilliant. I understand the criticism of it, mm-hmm. that people are kind of extrapolating these, like, theories and, and things like that. Well, how does that work? How does that work? How does that work? And I think it's going to be one of those films where it either pulls you in and it works for you mm-hmm. Or you get kind of caught up in all of the um, inconsistencies yeah. and it ruins it for and you. And they're in there. Oh, yeah. But I saw it and I was just like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, I saw, so I saw it twice in theaters. I watched it again over the holiday season. And Jordan Peele makes incredibly watchable, very so smart. So watchable. Funny, funny well-paced. Creepy, uh-huh. dark films. And um, I'm, I, I loved it. I just fucking... Loved it. Fucking A. I loved it. 2019, guys. Can I tell you I loved it? <laughs> did you love it, though? I did. <laughs> <laughs> was that it? Was that it for you? That's it. That's my list. Oh, my gosh. What else? Did you have anything else you were, like, mean to see? Anything you wanted to see? I'm really interested in St. Maud. I, mm. I think we can probably call that a 2020 release. But, uh-huh. again, it made the festival circuit. It got tongues wagging. This year, I didn't sit on any juries, and I kind of regret it because I did last year, and it almost killed me. I had so many movies to watch in the space of a weekend that I kind of had a panic attack. But, as a result, I walked into that... Best of 2018 yeah. list, very informed, whereas this year I, I have a feeling I have some blind spots. There were there were films in other lists that I haven't seen. I'm trying to think of what they all were. I know Hegazusa was on there, but you saw it. I watched it. Again, I used my holiday break. Um, I had a, thankfully, very, very lucky. Um, I had quite a bit of downtime, so I used it to catch up on mm. a lot of horror movies, mm-hmm. a lot of VOD and streaming releases. Uh, so I saw Hegazusa. What did you say it was? No, uh, I didn't. Whatever. That one. Uh, and I did not care for it. No, I, I really thought, like, the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, fuck, yes, let's do this. And then I got super bored, and I, I did not happens. care. I did not care. And then it was, like, the ending. And it was one of those films. I was watching it. I watched the whole thing. I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't fucking around. Yeah. I watched it, you and I actually just realized I wasn't paying attention to it. Like, yeah, I, my eyes had just kind of gone blank, and I was kind of, like, <laughs> thinking about my life or something. And then, like, the ending was happening, and I was like, okay, 
You had one job movie. You had one job. Uh, But again, I I see it on a lot of other people's list. I think it's one of those ones. It's uh, you're either going to like fucking get on that train and go on that journey and be in it. And I just the train left the station when I had bought my ticket. You were on the platform because I'd rented it on iTunes. Oh, so it's still it's still got my five ninety nine or something. Oh, okay. Well, I support I support indie filmmakers. (laughs) You're all fucking welcome. No, I'm kidding. Uh, It it just wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. Um, I had the same kind of feeling with In Fabric. Ah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I I was super pumped for it, and I liked I liked it. Okay, I liked it. Uh, It didn't grab me in the way I wanted it to, which I kind of had the same thing with uh, Barbarian Sound Studio. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like, it, it it. it's interesting. It's funny. It just didn't come together in a way that that meant something to me. Yeah. Turned off. Daniel's always Daniel isn't real. Oh, you turned it off. Yeah, I just don't like it. Okay, I don't like it. Daniel isn't real drew me in, and then it went in a direction that I had a hard time uh, going along with, which makes me wish you hadn't. I know. Maybe, maybe it would have turned back down your alley, or maybe I, don't think so, I, I just I was I was watching it, and I was like. Uh, 20 minutes, half an hour in, and I felt like I was just watching this extended trailer for The Joker, and I was like, I don't care. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Angry. Did you see The Joker? No, I didn't. The, I did. The, the trailer exhausted me enough. Yeah. How, what did you think of The Joker? You know, I didn't hate it as much. The trailer, I, I actively disliked. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I smell the way the wind is blowing yeah. in this movie, and I don't much like it. But I gave it a chance, and uh, you know, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I found it, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in it, and I feel like that's what it's for. It's a nice platform for him to show, look, I'm an amazing actor, and then I'm going to get to go to these award shows and be a giant asshole at them. I know. It was just such a shame he's never been recognized as a really great actor before, and that um, his name often doesn't get brought up in that Casey Affleck sexual assault thing, because that happened at his place, and he helped Casey Affleck cover it up. So he's that guy. Hope Rooney Mara is doing well. Yeah. Sorry, I I don't know. I I don't... Anyway, yeah, there's an ick factor all around it for a variety of reasons, and you can, I think you can safely skip it. Yeah. I've seen King of Comedy, and I've seen Taxi Driver. There you go. I'm good. (laughs) Have you seen Falling Down? No, but I remember the poster, and just looking at that poster makes me exhausted. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly the same thing. So, yeah, are you ready, uh... Well, let's let's break for some bloopers because uh, I think we got funny last All year. Right. Did we? Mm-hmm. It's seven years. I think we've become professionals at this. <laughs> Belches happen. They they, they got to go. They got to come out. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the faculty of <laughs> strike one. Okay, no. No, we can give another shot. We'll give him another shot. Okay, okay. If you're not happy with capitalism, if you're not happy with the way the United States or Canada is being run and you're a resident of those companies, like... Countries? Sorry? You said companies. <laughs> so in a kind of... Oh, ah. I'm a finished doing, woman. <laughs> they don't fuck around. Ils ne fuck around pas. Pas comme moi. Trailer. C'est quoi français pour trailer? C'est un trailer. Doves flying out could be, like, in James Wan's hands, and I don't know if we want to talk about Face Off, which is just kind of like this film in exploitation form as an action movie in the 90s, but there were doves flying out everywhere, and they're preposterous. That's not James Wan. Oh, 
Not James Wan. Michael Bay. No, not Michael Bay. It was uh, John Woo. Oh, shit. And, you know, I hadn't planned to bring in James Wan's face-off. It's not James Wan. Is that what, who I said in the first place? Yeah, it's James Woo. Or John Woo. <laughs> We're just coming up with all the best movie Directed ideas. Directed by John Woo. <laughs> and James Wan. And James Wan. <laughs> As we kind of wrap up the discussion of the first film and I hesitate to say wrap up because I think a lot of stuff we're talking about is going to come back like the repressed through the rest of these films new metal dreadlocks eyebrow ring You like that, Dante? It's your mom. That one's for you. <laughs> All right. So shall we move on to best of the decade? Best of the decade. Which this was a this was stressed me out. This stressed me out. I have a hard time remembering what I liked last week. Much less. So I, I don't know about you, but I was consulting all these lists and lists and lists and cherry picking and rearranging and cherry picking and rearranging. And I have my list, but I feel like, you know, a month from now, I'm going to be mortified by it. Yeah, I, I, it took me a couple of weeks to put this list together. Um, after about a week or so, I kind of settled on my top 10 and then I started playing around with the placement of them because mm-hmm. this one I did place out as a, you know, number one of the decade yep. to number 10. Okay. Um, and then I have some honorable mentions. Maybe we can do those at the end. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but right now, let's, let's just focus on number 10 to number five on our lists. Okay. Let's let's do a bottom half first sure. of these excellent films. And for me, when I was putting this list together, when I was thinking about these films, I was kind of doing like a 70-30 split for me. So mm-hmm. a 70%, I love it. I will revisit it if I haven't already. Mm-hmm. I think actually all of these I've revisited. Mm-hmm. And then a 30%, like essentially the 70% of like if I could only grab a few Blu-rays from this past decade and run with them from a fire. These are the ones I would grab um, for me personally. And then a 30% weight to a kind of importantness, okay. a cultural maybe moment with them. All right. That's kind of how I weighed it up, but also I just went with my gut and, um, yeah. Oh, God. This is a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> is a lot. I'm fucking nervous. I'm really I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. I love movies. This is this is hard. It's like picking a favorite Baby Yoda meme. It, wow. Impossible. Impossible. Uh, number 10. Number 10. I had Train to Busan. Oh, my God. That was on my honorable mentions. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Love it. I loved it. Loved it. And again, to speak to to your point about uh, about importance and relevance, you know, I think you, you can say that you're sick to death of zombie movies, but they just keep coming back. They don't stay dead, and in the right hands, there is fresh meat to be pulled off them bones. And that film is a nonstop action thrill ride and just when you think you've got it figured out it takes a massive left turn yeah i loved it i laughed i cried uh, i was creeped out mm-hmm. it gave me a couple jumps mm-hmm. what more the fuck do you want from a film not a damn thing well i will tell you something that uh bested it mm. which is my number 10 what what we do in the shadows Ooh, it's my number eight Ooh. 
Um, so we've covered this one on the podcast. Yes. Uh, it's a mockumentary. It's a comedy horror. If you listen to that episode, you might get that reference. And it's, it's definitely, I think, a comedy film first, but it is one that is very indebted to the horror genre that it understands so it. Horror literate. Yes. Without being, it doesn't need to flex that muscle. No. And, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it was directed by Jermaine Clement, uh, Flight of the Concords and a bunch of other things. He stars in it alongside Taika Watiti, who, uh, did, um, who also stars in it. And then he directed it and he's gone on to fucking do so much. Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? I have not. Me neither. I wonder if that would be on our list. I don't think it's horror adjacent. It's not horror adjacent. Not at all? It's like a satire of... Yeah, but it's horror adjacent. Hey, this is a... No, it's horror adjacent. Never mind. Um, Anyway, I I love it. I love it. I've seen it so many times. I recommend it all the time. All the time. I fucking laugh my ass off every time I watch it. Every time, yeah. My TV show is great. I haven't seen the TV show yet. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Um, But my partner, like, he loses his shit at the clip where, um, I think it's Takeaway TT, like, bites that girl and the blood just starts spraying everywhere. (laughs) He... Like doubles over in yeah. like giggle fits yeah, yeah. watching it because uh, it's so silly and like take it with TT's trying to like cover it up and it's it's I love it I love it's it on newspaper oh my god <laughs> it's so good yeah, it's so it's good great. okay definitely a gem of the decade for sure hope to see lots more from those two um is it my turn or yeah turn. Turn. okay my turn uh, my number nine is um suspiria the suspiria remake oh i had that but i have it up higher okay okay it is um i haven't seen it in a while i got the blu-ray in at the office and i've been i've been lending it to everyone mm. like you need to watch this you need to watch this why haven't you seen this yet i've been preaching its gospel and i need to watch it again but i find there were things that I love, 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 loved about it. And there were a couple of things that bothered me. And the things that are that bothered me are staying with me more than the things I loved about it, uh, which is why it's further down on my list. But it's... Ooh, what are the things that bothered you? Because um, I'll give my opinion when I get to it in my list. But I felt like it was unnecessarily crude and crass oh. in a couple of spots. Mm-hmm. I felt there was a couple of spots that it was... And going into the... I think I mentioned this last time we talked about this, but somebody likened it to a Rob Zombie film. And at the time, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But there's a couple of lines in there that are such shock value, uh, irresponsibly crude, that pulled me out of it. <laughs> there was one particular special effects sequence that uh, that I couldn't get on board with toward the end. It was a big reveal of, of, of somebody oh, that we okay, were dying okay, to see okay, for okay. the whole thing. Right, but right. It just looks like fucking Butterball from a <laughs> bad Hellraiser remake. and. Little things like that um, that bothered me. But overall, I thought, you know, it, it's a sequel of a movie that I didn't much love to begin with. The original, I thought it elevated it. Uh, I'm I'm down with uh, Luca. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, Luca? What's up? Um, I will talk about my thoughts on Suspiria 2018 when it comes up in my list. Um, my number nine is Unfriended. Oh, great film. Great film. As some people might know, I'm a bit of a slut for found footage. Mm-hmm. I love a found footage film. So I kind of was like, I was playing with this for a while, and I was like, I had a couple other favorites. Um, to just briefly mention a couple honorable mentions, um, I also had As Above, So Below. I had Creep. I that. Ah, I've got Creep. That's my number seven. Ah, shush, 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 shush. 
No spoilers. What? We're going. We're going to okay. sequential. All right. All right. All right. I'll stop. Um, okay. So, as above, so below is the one in the uh, Paris catacombs. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Do so, I need to see it? It's pretty fucking fun. Okay. I've watched it like multiple times and shown it to multiple people, and I always actually have a blast watching it. Okay. But unfriended, I have a blast watching it. I absolutely love it, and I think it just seized on this moment of social media when we were just kind of like realizing it was getting away from us, when it was, you know, becoming potentially really detrimental to the younger generation. Like I know um, Andrea and I are kind of like in our mid-30s and we're always like, fuck, I'm, or I certainly am. I'm like, God, I'm glad I did not have social media when I was in high school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have fucked shit up. Mm-hmm. That would have been really bad. And and so it's it was great to see a film that really tried to tackle that and I think tackled it very effectively. Um, I did like the sequel, Unfriended Dark Web, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which deals with a kind of like 20s, 30-something people on social media. Yeah. I, I'm, I just, I, I love the supernatural. I, I think it was just a slightly, it was just a more cohesive singular vision of it. I love a vengeful ghost. Mm-hmm. I love all of that stuff. Um, it was so inventive. I remember the first time I saw it, I've watched it again multiple times. Um, made it, it was kind of a big linchpin in my lecture that I did at last year's uh, Salem Horror Fest I about social media. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Also uh, available to our patrons. Yeah. If you want to hear that social media in horror lecture, uh, subscribe to our Patreon. It's at the $2 level. It's nothing. So cheap. So cheap. But... Unfriended, absolutely love it. Game changer. It's incredibly immersive, considering that it's all told from the point of view of this one screen. But it's not just one. It's not just one program. It's not just one app. There's email. There's music. There's Skype. There's texting. There's so much that goes on within that one interface. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it actually really, uh, really grasped. Um, how many different streams are coming at us from yeah. all directions all the time and how how seamless it feels and how natural it feels. But also, like, when you take a step back, it's like, holy shit, it's a lot going on looking at one screen. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting how it portrays young people just, like, hanging out yeah. on Skype. Yeah. Like, hanging out. It wasn't <laughs> like, oh, like, we need to talk about this or I need to discuss something with you. It's what's up. Yeah. Just listening to something. I'm reading a book, and they're hanging out online in yeah. the comfort of their own home. It's so, so interesting. And it feels authentic. It does. That's the thing. Is it feels authentic? These kids feel authentic. And so far as I've never done that, I no. bought it. Yeah. Can I have more wine? God no. Pass it over. There you go. Cool. All right. What's your number nine? Uh, number nine was Suspiria. Oh wait, you did Suspiria. I know. I, I was. Kind of, I've been jumping in on your list and, and crossing them off on mine. So okay. Uh, so nine was Suspiria. Eight was What We Do in the Shadows. Seven is Creep. Well, okay, let me just... So you, your number eight was What We Do in the Shadows. Correct. Okay, so we talked about that. Yes. Let's do my number eight. Okay, all right. And this was my, like... I absolutely had to put it on. Okay. But it was a, like... I just could not put this on. Okay. It has meant too much to me. That's Ghostbusters 2016. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Again, yep. someone can put fucking Parasite on their mm-hmm. best of horror list... I can put this on mine. You can do it. whatever you want. I loved it. I know. I cried during that film. I, remember. I still I fucking cry. We saw it in theaters. I own it on DVD. I still fucking cry when mm-hmm. I watch it because mm-hmm. it means so much to me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And you know what? 
I am already, again, when we talk about Joker and how I'm exhausted by that trailer, I am exhausted by, by Ghostbusters <laughs> Afterlife. Yeah. Oh, my God. Terrence Malick makes a fucking Ghostbusters film. <sighs> Calm down, Jason Reitman. Right. Um, I just, I, okay, so I've seen the trailer a few times when I've gone to see other films. And honestly, it just, it just looks very, A, very exhausting to me. Mm-hmm. B, every time it comes up in the trailer, it's like, from writer-director Jason Reitman. I always expect it to be, son of yeah. Ivan Reitman. <laughs> like, I, I get it. I get it. Nepotism is a hell of a drug. I just, Jason Reitman is not a good writer-director. I don't look forward to the day that we don't lean on that quite so hard, you know? Anyway... I loved it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was inventive. I thought it, you know, it actually, if you want to talk about reinventing the Ghostbusters, there's the gender flip, but there's also, you know, it's pulling from SNL cast members. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, the New York-centric stuff. And, yeah, there is some concessions made, and, and I don't think it's a perfect film, but for what it meant to me and what it might have meant to some other people, um, I think it's a really important film, and I love it. It's a lot more thoughtful than it gets credit for. Yeah. And if you haven't heard our mini-episode, like, we were so moved by it when we saw it mm. that we just... This was before we had a Patreon. This was before we had a fact We did it for like, free. We did it for fucking <laughs> That's how much we free. loved it. I believe it was even during our summer hiatus. It was! So, uh, have a listen, because uh, my feelings haven't changed. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Okay, so your number seven is... Creep. Creep. Yeah. And that was one I rewatched just before you jump into it, uh-huh. um, to rewatched it around like the last couple of weeks just to be like, oh, is it Unfriended or is it Creep? Mm. And Unfriended just hedged it out. Creep yes. is amazing. I, oh, it's so good. You talk about uh, it. I, it, it, it. It's found footage. Yeah. It's found footage of, uh, you know, just the dread, the sustained dread that goes on in that film that you're never sure what's going around the corner. And it surprised me and it surprised me and it scared me. And uh, Creeps are out there, man. Did you see the sequel? I did. What do you think? I liked it. It just felt a bit like more of the same. Yeah. I felt like there was more. I, I had. I felt a distance to the protagonist in the sequel that I didn't have in the first one, where, yeah. where some of the decisions I was kind of like, what? What are you doing? Well, and it really, really sold me on Mark Duplass. Yes. Who and I had hitherto only seen as a guest on, what's that the stupid Mindy show? show? The fucking Mindy Show, which I love and hate at the same time, yeah. but he's brilliant in it. He is so good. Mm-hmm. He is so fucking good because I kind of have a crush on him from that movie. I can see that. I can see that. Like, he's definitely, like, up there in terms of my celeb crushes, mm-hmm. but he's so... He he does it. He does it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he plays this really fine balance, and it's creepy, and it's weird, and it's if you take him out of the equation, I don't think the film would work. Definitely not. Yeah, because it's all about him and his particular, you know, playing with his prey type thing. That uh, that kind of psychopathy that uh, turns me on. Mm-hmm. Cool. Six. Well, my number seven. You're on seven. My number seven. Do it. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, yes. That almost made my list. Yeah. I, I like love that it. movie, yeah. It's so... It really scares me. We did an episode on we that. We did it. Okay. Yeah, it was in uh, one of our Witches episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, at the time, we were like... I was like, oh, no. It's is, a secret. I think I was calling them secret witch movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then people were like, what's a secret witch movie? And I was like, oh, I don't want to tell you. It, you know... It, it, that's a cool aspect of the reveal. I don't think it would ruin the film. For yeah. 
But um, I absolutely love it. It's so – it just really creeps me out. I think it's just very well put together. It's a very mm-hmm. straightforward film, mm-hmm. but very expertly put together. Great mystery. Um, again, one of the things I've been finding a little bit more and more with recent films is that I feel like they're struggling more and more with a sense of space. Okay. Like creating a space, maintaining the space, mm-hmm. setting up – if like a film is in a location – what is that location? What are the dynamics of it? Where, mm-hmm. where are the ins and outs? How, like, I'm watching films now, and I'm like, that character just flew out of a fucking door. I didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Um, and I feel like the this film, Andre Overdahl, really sets up the, like, here are the entrances. Yeah. Here are the hallways. Here's where the mirrors are. Here's where we see shit. Here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And Which is important to the film. It's very important because it's such a simple film. Yeah. You have to nail those yeah. so well yeah. without putting too much emphasis on it. That's right. I love the mystery of it. I, again, it really creeps me out. And it's been especially even really fun because um, I'm a really big Brian Cox fan. Mm-hmm. And so I've been st- – I've just recently she started – She Cox. I feel I like I Cox. made that joke last time. That I might show Cox. up in the bloopers. Maybe. Uh, and I started watching Succession where he is this kind of like – patriarchal, like, Conrad Black, Rupert Murdoch figure. Uh-huh. He's kind of, like, evil, uh-huh. like, Republican evil. Yes. And then see him, like, him as this kind of, like, gentle but hard father. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I love you. I also love, I know we covered this at length in the episode, but I just want to bring it up again that for a movie with a naked woman lying on a slab for almost yes. its entire runtime, it wasn't about that. It wasn't sexualized. It wasn't, uh, it, it was very much a corpse. It was very much a person or once was a person. And, uh, and that's a, a testament to a sure hand on the filmmaker's part. Yeah. Which is why perhaps I was so disappointed in Scary Stories. Oh, you saw it! Yeah. You didn't tell me you saw it! I saw it on the plane. Was it on my doctor's sleep? No, I think it was Mexico. Early December. Yeah, no, I watched no, it. No, I'm Andrea. I have too many road trips. Up. I can't remember <laughs> the only them. time I get to watch movies. <laughs> uh, yeah. In-flight entertainment, and yeah. I was bored. I did not care for it either. Hence why it wasn't on our best of 2019 list. Nope. Kids. Not even honorable mention. All right. Okay, so number six. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, nice. Did you have that one on yours? No, I did not. I loved it. I really I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I'm due for a rewatch, but uh, but in, I was looking at some best of decade lists, and I was like, that one is due. Did we cover it? No, we've talked about it. I actually wouldn't mind doing it on the podcast. Yeah. At some point, guys, let us, like, listeners of the show, please let us know. Bunker Horror, Siege Horror. A Bunker Horror thing. I, I will tell you that I'm also due for a rewatch of it yeah. because I really enjoyed it. I loved all the bunker stuff. I felt like when it left the bunker. I agree. It got a little meh. I agree. It got a little muddled. Mm-hmm. And that was at the very end. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. John Goodman, though. So good. So good. So good. He's got like that Mark Duplass energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my number six... Uh, the Invitation. Oh, so Karen good. Kusama. So good. That one almost made my list. And I was like, is that just like so fresh in my mind? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's kind of hard to to judge newer releases with stuff at the beginning of the decade. Some things age well and others didn't. I'm sure that one did. But I haven't seen it since the first watch. That blew I've, me the fuck I've away. I've seen it tw- two or three times now. Yeah. And it's incredibly well put together. Yeah. It is it, – it, she does – 
this incredible thing of making the familiar feel unfamiliar. Mm. Uh, again, a dinner party, an adult thing, encountering your ex, encountering these people you know or used to know. Uh, she captures all of this subtlety, mm. all of these little moments, mm-hmm. and fashions them into a much wider, much scarier entity. And yeah. I think it is like it, it's 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 a masterclass intention. Alfred Hitchcock wishes he could have done what she does. Oh shit! Suck it, Hitchcock. All right, all right. Five, five. Let's do five. Let's take a break. Okay, my five is an oddball. This is definitely not on yours, and I oh boy, it's it's Gyo, Tokyo Fish Attack, and All right, it's calm down. it's an anime uh, horror film based on the manga by Genji Ito. And oh, fun! This movie fucked me up. Genji Ito fucks me up. If you're not familiar with his shit, he's a manga artist. He has like a background in. Uh, in dentistry, I think, mm. that he he used to do like kind of diagrams, like medical diagrams and stuff. So his illustrations have this have this weird uh uh biological anatomical clarity. So Gyo is the story of <laughs> it's so absurd. It, it's hard to talk about because it sounds so silly. But basically Tokyo is under siege from um fish and they're coming out of the ocean and like sharks are coming out of the ocean and killing people and they're on these weird little legs and god I don't know how much I want to say because it's so implausible but it's also terrifying because this condition that is turning fish into automatons eventually also happens to people. What? And if you never think of people as, you know, like batteries, like it's it's kind of like the matrix amplified to a thousand to horrible horrible effect. And the other thing I love about this is that it's 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 animated, it's anime uh, in the exact same style as the manga, but the story is a little bit different from the manga. Oh, cool. So if you watch the movie and you love it, you should still check out the manga cuz it's just as good but a little bit different and vice versa. And uh, I would highly recommend it if you're into J-horror, if you're into bizarro Mm. horror, if you like uh, really absurd stuff. This one raised really upsetting uh, philosophical questions to me. Oh, cool. And maybe we'll cover it. Maybe, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe. I'm I'm a recent convert to uh, Genji Ito, Mm. um, courtesy of our friend Allison again. Oh, yeah? Um, What'd she get you on? uh, She lent me a book of his... It was like a bunch of short stories. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, really, like, creepy yeah. weird, but I really dug it. Nice. Really dug it. So, okay, I will definitely check that I out. I can lend you Gyo. Oh, please, yeah. I think Uzumaki is in for a, I don't know if it's a remake or a TV series or something's going on with that this year um, that I'll be looking for. Hmm. That one's not my favorite, but it's really visually interesting. Hmm. Okay, my number five. Yeah. We have a whole episode on this one. Okay. Under the skin. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love it. It's it's still, you know, I think revisiting it for uh, the episode we did when we were at Salem Horror Fest mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. this last year, it just cemented for me how absolutely ambitious and and wonderful and creepy and fucked up it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it just resonates with me. I, I still have the feeling I have from when I first saw it. Yeah, yeah. I just feel unsettled. I feel icky about the world. Mm-hmm. And we spend so much of our lives trying not to feel icky about the world and trying to forget all the horrible shit that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think this film is just perfectly pinpoints several other things that, that 
traumatize us and yeah. traumatize people around us and and it's um horrifying and beautiful and fucked up and mesmerizing and all of those great dichotomies that I always look for in horror. Like, How long ago did it come out? Uh it's 2013. Right. So and and that could have been made yesterday for its relevance. Yeah. Like it, it it has a timelessness to it mm. that cool. All right. Right on. Take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I respect that Wes, you know, wanted what he wanted. And, and I'm sure we're going to get into – when we get into the other films, you know, uh, uh, Ron Shea, Lon Shea, Rob Shea, Dan Shea, Chris Shea. <laughs> You're confusing me. Rob Shea. Okay. And, uh, stop, stop it. Hang on. Hang on. What are you doing? No, my chair is, like, doing something weird. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you take that again. I'm going to pour more wine. Okay. Mmm, ça le chip. Mmm. Le chip, c'est très bon. Madame Vicky. Mmm. Cheeto. Oh, Cheeto. Oh, man. Cheetos and gin. <laughs> Classy. Because, let me open this beer. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's been a day. Accepted into big literary circles because he's so genre. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it's a shoe shoestring. Shoe. And yes, it's a shoestring budget, but um <laughs> they often illustrate really Oh strike one. You be quiet. I was dead set on reading the novella. <laughs> Strike two. Really interesting moment for me on the rewatch of this film. Oh, don't you start, you little booger. You're not getting another treat. No, sir. Look at your Grinch feet. You need a toenail trim. <laughs> Speaking of moms, it's like, <laughs> Mom, my Grinch feet are fine. Mom, a man's trying to kill me in my dreams, in my puppy dreams. That's all the strikes again. Bye. <laughs> All right, we're back. Top four. Let's finish this. Top four of the decade. Yeah. These yep. are our favorite children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you know what? I stand by these top four. Those those last couple, you were bringing up movies that I was like, ah, should have been there. And, you know, uh, like I said, this list might change in the coming years, but I don't think these top four will. I, I don't think so either. Um, okay, so my number four. Yeah. Suspiria. Oh. And I put it up this high mm -hmm. because I have gone back and rewatched it. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like this kind of magical world I just want to live in. Yeah. Um, and I hear you on your grievances with it. I don't disagree with them yeah. necessarily. The crudeness, I find it just doesn't, it didn't rise to the top for me, okay. even on initial viewings. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's just a difference. Between us, apparently we have them. Um, I'm a lady. I'm mm. a delicate sensibility. You and your fucking pearl necklace, Andrea. <laughs> um, and, and I will it. say, one of the really interesting things about Suspiria 2018 for me is um, you can rewatch it as a whole yeah. and sit down. And it's a long movie. It's like two and a half hours. It also works in, like, segments. Like, I've gone one day and watched, like, because the film is broken up into acts. That's right. Watched one act couple days later watched another act watched a few acts another day and like you can really piece it out it's like a mini series almost yeah. um 
But I, I absolutely love it. I, I think it it has a couple issues within it, but I think it just exceeds uh, in so many areas. And it just is this it, it, this world building. It does is mm-hmm. is so transcendent. Mm-hmm. Again, it's one of those things. If you're on that train, you're mm-hmm. you're on it. And I'm like, I want to live on this train forever. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I I love this world. I love what it does. I love what it took from the original. Um, and in a way, I, I feel very strongly that this is such a it, it's such a like classy remake mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, because it's not shitting on the original. No. It's, it's taking elements from it and just. Recontextualizing them yeah. in a different way. Um, I, I love the performances. I love the dance. Me too. Um, and it's it's again My Halloween costume. It was your Halloween it costume. Was, yeah. It's so good. Uh, hand crocheted, I might add, by Andrea macrame. Macrame. <laughs> she she did that herself. You think she's a great podcaster, editor, writer, all of that stuff. Great friend. Also, excellent macrameer. Oh, thank you. Um, I love it. I love it. It's. It's. I'm going to return to it again mm-hmm. and again and again and again. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Hereditary. That movie kicked me in the balls, and I have been working out the hows and wherewithals and whys in uh, in the time that has passed since then. And I have problems with it. I have problems with its narrative, its story. There are things that don't add up. There are things I don't like. Um, and I've landed on what kills me about this film are, are, are really intimate um, family discussions that escalate and are just fucking harrowing to me. And even, it, it reminds me of... Um, uh, the Haunting of Hill House, mm. which again, like, you know, I had I had a lot of problems with it, but that one episode where they're just screaming at each other, I don't dare call it a trend in horror just yet, but I'm very excited at the idea of horror tapping into um, uh, familial dramatic tension. That is the kind of thing that, you know... You grow up and you put that stuff behind you and you never really contextualize whether your experience is like anyone else's because, you know, your household growing up, it's a very personal thing. And we have very um, specific ideas of, of what a happy upbringing, happy household is. Um, but fights like that happen and they form you and they maim you and they like you carry that with you all the time. And I had never seen something like that hit so hard on the head as I did in Hereditary, mm. and it fucked me up. And it does on every rewatch. And every rewatch, I have new problems with it, but every rewatch, I'm still devastated mm. by some of those mm-hmm. fights. So that's that. Yeah, I think I'm just not an Ari Aster fan. That's totally understandable. Yeah, I, I think, and there's elements of both of his films, so I've seen Hereditary and I've seen Midsommar, um, and I think there are sequences in each of those films that are brilliant. Yeah. As a whole, they don't come together for no. me. And then you almost feel like, uh, are those moments of brilliance accidental? Well, and this is where I think maybe Ari Aster is a great director mm. and maybe not an auteur. Totally. In that he might need a writing partner. Yep. A better editor. Yep. A better something. Mm-hmm. Just to to make it a more cohesive thing and less of this like, well, hello, I'm Ari Aster, and here is my, like, two-hour-long-plus vision of this nightmare. Yeah. 
it maybe condense the nightmare. Yeah. Uh, there's things I like in both those films. I just they're too they're too all over the place for me to find that way in. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think they're they're both very personal films, mm-hmm. and I, I respect that a lot of people do think he is auteur status. He's that like that's great. That is this is just one person's opinion mm-hmm. of him. I just I, I wish there was a bit more pullback yep. from it and, and a bit more give and take. But mm-hmm. Hereditary, I think it's hard to deny the impact that yes. it had in in horror, especially. I agree. All right. Uh, my number three. Yes. It's a little Canadian film. Oh, yeah. Called Pie Wacket. Hooray. To me, Pie Wacket was like the version of Hereditary I wanted to okay. see. Okay. Um, so it, it's a Canadian film written directed by Adam McDonald. Local I, boy. Local boy. Local, lovely boy. Lovely, lovely man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's a terrifying film. This yes. is the last film I have seen that – properly scared me. I guess I saw it in 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, it came out in 2017 in uh, the festival circuit. Yeah. And Andrea recommended it to me, and I watched it on my own, and it scared the fucking crap out of yeah, me. It yeah. really fucked me up. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen it a couple times since, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I love it more and more because, you know, I think once you get over those scares, and I can step back and appreciate the writing, the pacing, the acting, everything. Yeah. It's such... An incredible film. It, it's so singular. It has that kind of terrifying mother figure that kind of begins to shift and change and become complicated mm-hmm. and weird. And I, which I, happens when you're oh, a teenager, yeah. right? When you're when you're in that boundary of seeing your parent as a parent, and they're kind of a tyrant when you're yeah. a teenager. You want to do your thing, but this person is you know calling all the shots, and you're kind of in that weird liminal space of seeing them as a parent and seeing them as a person. Yeah, it's such a brilliant film. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah. I'm. Uh, it makes me proud to be a Canadian. Yeah, we'll do an episode on it. I'm sure. Like maybe we'll even have Adam in because uh, I had him. I screened it years after it came out, and you know the, the film is getting a great response, but it didn't get much fanfare in yeah. Canada, which is kind of crazy when you think of Canadian cinema and, you know, uh, cultural cringe and all that shit, all the CanCon. It's crazy that this film just kind of got dumped in Canada and is doing very well overseas. Yeah. And uh, Toronto didn't have a big wide screening of it, apart from its TIFF premiere. When, when I screened it, I was sitting in the back with Adam next to me, and we were whispering to each other the entire time. And, you know, I it was almost like a commentary where I was just kind of like, oh, I love how the music goes out here. And he's like, yeah, because that's where the music inside her dies. And I was like, yeah. So I would love to get him in to talk about it, uh, especially with you because you loved it so much. And Yeah, and actually, and if you are already a fan of Adam McDonald and Pie Wacket, hopefully you know he does have a podcast called Canadians Talking Shit, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. He is a great interviewer. Oh, yeah. He, like, he has these people on, and you might not know who they are, and they just start talking, and they start... I think because of him, they start telling these amazing stories, and it's so thoughtful and wonderful. But he actually has a commentary track for Pie Wacket as part of that podcast. Oh. Because when I, I think it was Shout or Scream, whoever released it, it's they didn't. see Midnight? Uh, Someone, or whoever released the DVD didn't oh. ask him to do a commentary, so he recorded his own. Good for him. So I listened to part of it and I was like, ah, fuck, no, 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 I want to watch it with the film. So that's kind of mm-hmm. my next watch of it is going to be with his commentary. Yeah. But it's so good that had he been an asshole, I still would have loved it. Yeah. The fact that he's just absolutely lovely and 
yeah. wonderful. He is interested in people. Yes. He doesn't want to talk about himself. Yes. He wants to know what you thought and what you think and what makes you tick. And, and that you is can the mark tell, of a great You can filmmaker. tell that in Pie Wacket mm-hmm. because these, he cares about these characters. And they're Each women. and every one. He yeah. wasn't a teenage girl. No. But, but he that wrote. girl was me. Yeah. It was me too. And I did actually, over the holiday break, I finally, finally watched Back Country, which is his first film. I was scared. It's really good. It, I, it's I'm really sure good. It is. It's in my honorable mentions. Oh, um, and, and the reason, it's just simply because, uh, Backcountry is a survival horror proper. And those mess me up. Yeah. I'm and, scared. Uh, but I'm, the, the supernatural messes me up a bit okay, more. And yeah, the yeah. whole story and yeah. the mythology of Piwak, it just, it, to me, it's, and I've seen people kind of go back and forth about like, I like Backcountry more. I like Piwak more, blah, blah, blah. I think they're both excellent. Piwak, it just hit me on this, level that I can articulate that I, how great I think it is mm-hmm. but there's also a level to it that I actually can't articulate it just yeah. it just reached me it's so good it reached me it's and a great creature oh, great I effects. actually don't want to think about it it's creepy okay, right, okay. I don't want to I don't want to go there she's too scary it's too scary <laughs> ah! watch okay. it watch it number three you're number three that was my number three cabin in the woods nice that was my honorable mention cabin in the woods uh that was <laughs> Just the first time I saw it, it was the first film I saw coming out of my serial concussion. So I kind of had a blackout uh, in my life just prior to 2011 where it, when you're recovering from a concussion, you have to stay away from screens. Mm. And I wasn't working in the industry back in 2011. So, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of impetus that you have to watch all this stuff and you have to be abreast of everything. I came out of it. I was a um, I was a fan of Joss Whedon, obviously. And so I went to see it with uh, a fellow Buffy fanatic. And when the credits rolled, I wanted to see it again. It was that thing where, like, when you're on a roller coaster and you're like, if I just sit here and shrink really small, maybe nobody will notice that I just stayed around for a second time around. I love that film. I think it's smart. I think it's fun. I think it's scary. I love it. Yeah, it was definitely hovering around my top ten and and just everything else kept edging it out. But it is in my honorable mentions. It's a great film. It's super fun. We have a whole episode on it. Go listen. All right, number two. This is we're getting there. Okay, we're getting there. Uh, the witch. Ooh, Robert Eggers. Uh huh. I love it. I, I love it. Too. It's brilliant. Uh, again, I've seen this one a few times now. Um, I, I think it's creepy. I think it's weird. I think it's ultimate message of uh, subversion of a Christian patriarchy uh-huh. is incredibly profound. It's incredibly well done. Uh-huh. I hear people reference it on other podcasts and articles all around me, and it's it's made a little moment for itself. Oh, totally. It was a thunderclap in horror. That yeah. it was a period piece that had politics that were relevant to the period, but also so relevant now, mm-hmm. and so dark, and people have such interesting takes on it, and uh, and it's dense, and it's creepy, and it's hallucinogenic, and I love it, too. Love it. That's your number two? That's my number two. All right. Well, my number two is Get Out. Holy shit. Do we have inverse one and twos? Yeah, we do. Oh, my God. My number one was The Witch. Okay. So talk to me about Get Out. The Witch edged out Get Out. I don't even know if I can articulate why. I I guess. Yeah, no. I don't want to. That's fine. 
That's fine. This is why we we wrestle with films. That's why we have a whole fucking podcast mm-hmm. about films mm-hmm. because they we can't tamp them down. We yeah. can't we can't qualify every little bit about it. And they're different. They're different Just experiences that. watching it. And if I you know feel like getting my guts torn out and then you know have have them pecked by ravens, that's the witch. <laughs> and if I feel like having some laughs and. Uh, and 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 watching modern society get skewered by some really smart satire and social commentary that's get out yeah um so yeah obviously my number one is get out and i uh i think this is such not only a turning point in horror like this is a moment when get out came out that we will as academics, as future academics, we will refer to like back when night of the living dead came out when yep. texas chainsaw massacre came out um it, it's it's it, it's one of those like capital I important films yeah. that is so watchable, yeah, yeah. that is so creepy, that is funny, that is so well done, yeah. and it kind of came out of nowhere and it created its own moment mm-hmm. and it created a cultural moment, mm-hmm. um, and it began to change things in a really really interesting way. Uh, of course, Jordan Peele, uh, rightfully so, won best original screenplay Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you should have fucking won everything that year. Um, but I, I absolutely love it. I have no faults with it. It is a faultless film in my it eyes. Is, yeah. Faultless. It's a perfect film. And I appreciate that it even happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there was a while where horror was just kind of like, you know, the the big companies were, were playing it pretty safe. Yeah. And, you know, like it was a Blumhouse film and Blumhouse mm-hmm. has put out some jump scary stinkers. And so get out. I think, but also some brilliant jump scary ones. And it's done it, but it's it was doing like horror proper. Yeah. And then get out came out, and I I think we'll talk more about Blum. Actually, I know we're going to talk much more about Blumhouse in our Patreon episode about the kind of top news stories of the last decade in Uh horror. But I think it was just this moment of like there was this subtle shift. And for horror fans, it was like, of course, this is a horror film. But then the rest of the world kind of came to the horror camp. Maybe horror is smart. It was that whole thing that we had to deal with, but I didn't mind because, okay, come on aboard. Yeah. Discover the rest of it. Let this like, be your linchpin. Fuck yeah. Like, I will die on the get out hill. Me too. I will die there. That's uh-huh. fine. Uh, so yeah, that, that is my number one. I think it is brilliant. I think it is faultless. It's more of that, please. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Cannot wait to see what Jordan Peele has in him. Yes. And he's, and that's a nice thing I will say about both, for me, uh, Jordan Peele and Robert Eggers, I think you can make the same argument if you're a fan of Ari Aster, uh, is that they're all relatively young. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably all have very long careers ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, they've all been doing substantial outputs in the last few years. Yeah. Like, again, 10 years ago, we didn't really know who these guys were. No. And 10 years ago, I don't know if the industry would have, like, kind of given them the shots yeah. that they had. Yeah, the budgets and, that they would have needed to pull off. And, and honestly, I think, you know, whether you love or hate or kind of in between on Blumhouse, uh, there's not another studio who would have taken this chance on Get Out. That's right. This is a crown jewel in Blumhouse's cap. As That's far why as it's I in every trailer. Fair. From the creators of Get Out. And I'm always like, Don't yeah, fair, yeah. fair. I would say that too. <laughs> Got us there. I, I often introduce myself as, hi, I'm Alex. I've seen Get Out and I think it's great. <laughs> Okay, but you talk about talk about the witch. Talk talk to me about that. Well, we talked about that. I don't know how much uh, how much more I have to say. It's just um, it's just a beautiful fairy tale that uh, you know. Its politics are on. The performances are on. Uh, the gore, the speech, the everything was just perfect, and it just made me excited to be a horror fan all over. Yeah, again. 
It's great. Yeah, I think you can hear that from us. Like as we get, you know, we got into our like top four, top five, top ten. You know, it just reminds us why we love horror. Yeah. Oh, and, and we get excited about garbage. Oh, yeah. You know, like <laughs> fucking as above, so below. Like, mm-hmm. let's. I haven't been to the Paris catacombs. I want to go now. Mm-hmm. There's probably a portal to hell down there that I will find. Yeah, you should see it. It's pretty fun. Well, let's go. Um, Faculty of Horror in Paris. Oh my god! Please, someone start a film festival that can fund yeah, our travel. Be a cool <laughs> fucking field trip. You have some honorable mentions in the yeah. decade. You want to go there? A couple that we haven't mentioned. Um, uh, I did want to shout out Us. Yep. That was very close to being in my top ten of this decade. Okay. Again, I Jordan Peele, I think he's brilliant. I'm going to be excited for what he has to do and what he has to say and what he makes for ever, I think, now. I also want to shout out MFA. Oh, yeah. Um, what that, a surprise, that one, eh? What a wonderful surprise. <laughs> yeah. And again, credit to Andrea for, like, not only finding it, featuring it in the magazine, but also programming a screening of yeah. it. And I remember going to that, like, a year or so ago, um, and a really cold January night, and I was just like, oh, gosh, you're dragging yourself out. And you see this film, and it is a rape revenge. I think it was two years ago. Is it two, yeah, it might have been two years ago. Uh-huh. And it just it, – it completely – made the rape revenge genre much more relevant mm-hmm. to me. Uh, there was a right personal on connection the heels to it. Of me too. Yeah. And I decided to do a rape revenge issue knowing that it would be so dicey and so you have to treat the subject so delicately. Like we couldn't even put the word I don't want to put the word rape on the cover because yeah. I didn't want that to be triggering. Of course. You know, and so revenge was coming out and that was getting a whole lot of fanfare. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, we'll make this a cover story, here's the art design, here's that we've done the interview, blah, blah. now we need some sidebars. What else has come out recently with uh, rape revenge? Oh, what's this MFA? And I watched it and I was like, fuck. This should have been on the cover. Yeah. And I liked Revenge. I liked Revenge, I too. I liked it. But MFA was it, it, it's special. It, it really is. It really, really is. And, uh, um, I, again, I've been a bit sad. I feel like I haven't seen it come up as much. No. So that's why I want to shout it out now. Yeah. I, I, we'll bang that drum. Again, yeah. Till the end of time. Yeah. Yeah, and then my other honorable mentions were Under the Shadow, uh, I've seen that. Yeah, it's really good. It's creepy. It's really weird and has a really um, interesting political backdrop okay. that I wasn't super in tune with, but it, it did some great explanation. It made me go and research. It made me go look into it a bit more, mm-hmm. and I think that's always a sign of a great film. Mm. And finally, uh, my honorable mentions, I had Goodnight Mommy. Ah, awesome. Great film. Great film. It Wonderful, great film. creepy, weird. Loved it. Yeah, I loved yeah. it too. What else you got? Honorable mentions, I had uh, Charlie Says. Oh, fuck Yes. Shit, I should have put that on my best in Again, just like a little blip that yes. I heard about too late to make a huge stink about in the magazine. And it was actually kind of, a, you know, Charlie Manson and true crime and serial killers are having a moment. I think maybe the moment is actually kind of over. But this movie came out, and uh, it's a Mary Heron film. Mm-hmm. And it came to me on Blu-ray, so I wasn't aware of any, like, big wide release. Like, you would think that the new Mary Heron film, dealing with... Charles Manson in the in, in and the, the same big... and the same writer uh, Guinevere Turner as That's American right. Psycho That's yeah right. so it's the team from American Psycho and they've they're doing this it's a brilliant film it's brilliant I cannot understand why it didn't get more of a splash um, so again this was this especially was... in the context of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood exactly I feel like it's everyone's obsessed with Charles Manson and here is the most thoughtful rumination on that story the most feminist the most critical the most intelligent and it just and it's the most honest 
I agree. So I wasn't able to. I tried. I tried to get a Toronto screening. I tried to do it for yeah. CinemaCob. But what I was able to do is kind of just have a small screening here at Room yes. Org, and I invited a bunch of girls over, and I was like, "Tell me I'm not crazy, and that this is fucking amazing." Uh, so I highly recommend checking that out if yes. you're able to find it. It is out on on Blu-ray, and you know, I, would you believe I posted a picture of the Blu-ray on Room Org's Instagram, mm. and the hate that what? It got that oh that talentless bitch that what oh yeah no go back and look at it i was astonished people fucking hate mary heron and pardon me i can't explain it but it is a fact and i was horrified at rumorg's readership not that the readership is reflected in social media and people are going to troll and a couple of loud people are going to kind of drown out the more thoughtful people but i have never seen sentiment like that pop up on Rumorg's social media wow. until I posted uh, this photo. I'm so, shocked. Yeah, and I, I hope that makes you want to see it more. And, see it. And let's, let's, all, let's fucking all die on the Mary Heron Hill. Save this film because it's fucking awesome. It's great. It's uh, so funny because I will say one of the things I, I kind of was like, oh, it's a bit odd because uh, Charles Manson is notorious, was notoriously very short. And Matt <laughs> Smith, uh-huh. the British actor who plays him, is very tall. Like mm-hmm. he's over, I think, like six, he's like six, three, six, four. Uh-huh. And he's quite like, you, you kind of can't shoot around that. Mm-hmm. Like he's so tall. He's like, he's, but he's so good. He's like, it's so good. It really, mm-hmm. it investigates those moments mm-hmm. of, Manson and what he did and what he was capable of in a really intimate way. Yeah. And how he was able to make himself huge to these women when yeah. he really is just a small man and the the the, the <sighs> realization of these women uh it's harrowing in so many different yeah. ways. Other honorable mentions of the decade, I I wanted to bring up the terror. It's uh, I haven't a, seen that yet. Seri- I, I, I was late to this party or else I would have been screaming about it and this is, you know, this is the thing with with streaming is that yeah. uh, you know they don't do the press release, the press junket, they at least just bleh. And it's out. And by the time the room org issue talking about it is coming out, it's like four months later or whatever. But season one of The Terror is excellent, terrifying survival period horror. And I recommend it. It haunt- I had nightmares. It upset me very much. I've heard terrible things about season two, uh, which Same. takes a completely different um, storyline. And I've heard terrible things about the guy who wrote The Terror. Oh. Now, I started the audiobook, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, it actually expired before I could finish it. I took it out from the <laughs> library because it's a huge, huge book. And it's I such just, an Andrea I problem. listen to the whole thing in the 21 days that they gave me, <laughs> even though I devoured it ravenously. So I think I'm actually just going to have to buy it yeah. just to listen to it completely. But Dan Simmons, the author, has uh, he's tweeted shitty things about oh, that Greta Thunberg girl, and it's oh. like you're gonna pick on a little activist girl, you fucking piece of shit. Ew, so gross. he sucks. Uh, but you know he wasn't involved in the TV series, so watch it and enjoy it. I sure as shit did. Yeah, that's on my to watch list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have Penny Dreadful on there mm. because I felt like Penny Dreadful was such an interesting hodgepodge of. Uh, big characters in horror. You know, there's an overarching narrative, but it included, you know, there was uh, possession and exorcism. There's the Frankenstein narrative. There's Dorian Gray. The Frankenstein narrative in particular has a really interesting feminist streak running through it. And just when it was finding its footing with this bad bitch who wants to organize this undead army to overthrow the patriarchy, show gets canceled. And this show broke my heart. 
Aww. you know, like people often talk about like Carnival and uh, Hannibal and campaigns to right. get shows back on the air. Like this show died right when it was getting great, but I would still recommend it. Yeah, Josh Hartnett is on it. He sure is, and he can get it. He's a werewolf. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, he like almost hit on Joanne. He can still get it. <laughs> <laughs> Joanne is a stone fox, so <laughs> no fault there. Um, what else you got? That's it. Those are my honorable mentions. I feel like I forever feel like I'm missing something. Like Charlie says, just brought back a whole bunch. But uh, oh yeah, and like, the second <sighs> we hit stop on this recording, know, we're, we're going to come up with another ten. Uh, but you know, this is the fun part. We're going to put out this podcast, and you all are going to remind us of the gems that we've missed, and we'll be kicking ourselves um, until we do this next year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over the next decade. Holy shit, guys! Um, so. That's it. That's that's our year in review. That's our decade in review. Um, if you want some more decade in review, please join us over on Patreon. We've got that link in the show notes. So check us out there. Nice one, Andrea. You're and going on to next month, uh, 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 uh. seven years of Faculty of Horror. Seven years. Good luck. It you required. Got the itch? Not yet. How are you going to scratch it? I'm going to scratch it by talking about. The David Fincher film, Seven. What? That's right. That's right. We're doing it. David Fincher, Seven. A crime procedural, gross out, fucked up film. Kevin Spacey is weird and problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. Kevin weird box. and problematic. Uh, Get back in that box. Yeah. You know, you can shove a jade egg up a (laughs) vagina, but you can't shove it up a decapitated head. Wow. Um, (laughs) So that is your homework until next time. Yes. Uh, Again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your support. Thank you for um, joining us. And we just have more and more and more to come. Thank you for uh, seven years of the Faculty of Horror. And thank you, Alex. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Thank you, Andrea. Let's, Let's... yeah. Oh, my God. Oh. You might have to hug. Okay. Okay. After. Uh, <laughs> so, thank you so much. Um, until the next horror linchpin happens, office hours are closed. 